Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I am Chris Reeve, and I'm your host. And I want to start with a story. So, and it's not a bad joke, but it sounds like the way I'm going to start it. I walked into a preschool classroom one day, and the preschool teacher said, I'm so glad you're here. I've realized I need your help with this kid. And I realized that for this kid, it's all about choices. Now, this preschool teacher and I had worked together for a good time by then. And for this particular kid and many others that I've known over my time, he liked to be in control of everything. And he did it by refusing to follow the teacher's directions. He would tell you what he would do other than what you had just told him to do. And he would tell other people, kids and adults, what to do. We also found that we were always getting into power struggles with him. He could suck you into a power struggle faster than my money disappears at the Target dollar spot. So I'm guessing some of you may have met this kid because I know he's not the only one. So how in the world do we address what we consider to be defiance and noncompliance And that type of behavior when we know that the kid just wants to run things. He wants to be in control. It might be that he wants to be the center of attention. So the function of the behavior is to gain attention. Or he wants to avoid doing work. Maybe it's an escape-related problem. It's the fact that he meets those needs by what appears to us to be controlling the situation. I've also had students for whom being in charge is a setting event for challenging behavior. And if you haven't heard of setting events before, I'll put a link to the podcast where I talked about those. Essentially, if someone argued with him and prevented him from doing or getting what he wanted earlier in the day, then the challenging behavior would crop up later in the day. And the trick we wanted that we found worked for him was to make him think that he's in control while we get what we need. And an easy way to do that is to give him choices so that he thinks that he's in charge. So I'm going to talk about choices today, why they make sense, and how we can use them effectively, because they aren't the solution to every problem, and we can do them wrong. I also have a free download for you in the blog post that this goes with. So go to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 54, and you will find a visual reminders poster. And you can also get a link to my 30 behavior support videos that are in our resource library, some of which deal with this topic as well. So let's get started. start with why give choices. 
I ran across an article the other day of someone who was saying choices are not as great as people crack them up to be. And uh, they're not as effective as a behavior management strategy. You're just teaching the child to always be in charge. But in fact, we have research that shows that giving choices is actually a good preventative behavioral strategy. And in my career, I have recommended it probably in three quarters of the behavior plans that I have written. Many of our students with challenging behavior are reinforced by the reactions to their behaviors. Think about a teacher who can't present a lesson because a student is possibly hurting somebody else. Maybe that's an escape-related behavior. Or the student whose behavior is the center of attention as the class clown. Possible attention-seeking behavior. Both functions are reinforced by the student getting an expected outcome that reinforces the behavior. Choices actually increase the likelihood that the student will engage with the task. So it can work across multiple functions of behavior. And let's think about it. We all want choices. Most people do not like being told what to do. In the time that I'm recording this, some of you are teaching in situations related to socially distanced or distance learning, and some of you were given a choice and some of you were not. And I'm willing to bet that if we did a survey, those who had a choice and had some say about how they were going to teach this year probably are happier with their situation than those who were not. And why should we expect our students to be any different than we are? Being asked to do something is always preferable to being told. It's actually one of the reasons why one of the most common things I say in the classroom is don't ask a direction if you want him to follow it. It always reminds me of my mother when I was a kid who would ask, who would ask me, do you want to take out the garbage? Um, no, I don't want to, but I will. Um, And this is the reason that it's so hard for us to remember that if we want to give a direction to a student, we need to give it clearly, not give it as a choice. Because the student that I talked about at the very beginning of this episode, he would just say no. If he said, do you want to do this? No, absolutely not. No was the answer to everything. So let's look at what the research says. In 91, Glenn Dunlap and his colleagues found that giving choices of which science assignment to do resulted in lower challenging behavior and higher on-task behavior for a student with developmental disabilities. Similarly, when students with emotional disabilities were given choices of activities and curriculum, they demonstrated more on-task behavior and less disruptive behavior in another article by Dunlap in 1994. And in the blog post, I will have links to these references. And they even found that this effect held when students had preferred items in the no-choice activities. So that indicated something about the opportunity to make a choice rather than just being given a preferred activity plays a role in improving behavior and on-task behavior. There's also research that found that choices of consequences, like choices of reinforcers for task completion, was favored over choices of the tasks themselves by preschoolers. And that might be related to how it impacts the preference for the reinforcement at that moment in time. But it also may vary by student. And there's an article by Vaughn and Horner that found differing 
effects by the students. So there's lots of common types of choices. Uh, and what we choose to give choices about, obviously, is important. Some might be the reinforcer or consequence for completing a task. It might be two options to completing the task, a worksheet or task cards. It might be how to complete the task, dictating or writing, where to sit, who helps them, what materials to use, the order of the tasks, funny things they can wear while doing the task, how to get somewhere. Do you want to walk or skip to this place? Choosing the route that they take. There's tons of ways that we can give choices. But the one thing that all of these choices have in common is that they get the task the teacher wanted done. How it is done is less of a concern than whether the student can remain on task and get it done. So based on all of that, we know that some students really benefit from being given choices of reinforcers, choices of tasks, how tasks are completed, but how do we do that and still get the work done? Uh, I found these five tips to be helpful to set staff up for success and to help their students be successful. Tip number one, the choices need to be reasonable. My favorite one is always, you don't ask, do you want to do your math worksheet or do you want to go to Disney World? Disney World, unless you live where I live, probably isn't an option. Um, and it's not something that is a reasonable choice and the student knows that. But you could give a choice of, do you want to do worksheet A or worksheet B? Choose choices that are going to get your needs met, but that the student gets to participate in the decision. That way you get the work done that you want, but he gets to buy into agreeing to do it. In a very non-behavioral way, think about it as saving face. He gets to look like he was in control when really you were in control. And someday I'll do a whole episode on what control for both parties really means. Um, but I think that's especially important for our kids with emotional disabilities. Allowing them to save face, but still getting done what you want is a win-win for both sides. Tip number two, pair your choice with visuals. You can use the objects or items that you're giving choices about you can demonstrate the action that you're letting him choose. You could use visuals. Whatever you use, if the student has difficulty understanding language, like many of our students on the autism spectrum, giving a visual or an object to support the choice can make it more concrete. Number three, write a visual for the staff. It's hard to come up with choices sometimes in the midst of giving directions. So make a list of common choices you might use for the students and post it in the classroom. That way everybody has it as a quick reference that they can look at to give choices more often. And I've got a poster that you can download for your classroom of different kinds of choices that might spark that memory. So go to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 54, and you can download it there in the free resource library. Tip number four is that avoiding a punishment isn't a real choice. Choices should be between options that you want the student to choose, either one. Presenting an option to the student of doing a task or getting punished 
is not really giving a choice. It's threatening about what will happen if the student disobeys. It's not a proactive behavior management strategy. Similarly, you have to do this or I will help you, meaning I will make you, is not a choice. It's not a choice you want to give because you don't want them to choose the second thing. Only give choices that you want the student to choose one of. Along the same line, walk to class or I will carry you, also not a proactive choice. That's a responsive strategy. And you may find that carrying them actually reinforces the challenging behavior. So that may become a bigger issue. Number five, mix up your choices. Don't always give the same choices over and over. It's boring for both of you. Instead, make the list from number three as a way to help everybody mix it up. New and novel choices can work as motivators just because they're different. And then I have a bonus for you. (laughs) Number six, state them clearly. Remember that a choice is not whether to do something you need the student to do or not to do it. Generally, you should state choices matter-of-factly and don't negotiate them. Unless your FBA indicates that is the best course of action, I've not found negotiating to be a really good, productive, proactive strategy. Otherwise, you're back in the power struggle that you're trying to avoid. Instead, say something like, it's time for us to do math. Do you want to do it with Mrs. X or with me? Or say, it's time for music. Should the class sing down by the bay or freeze as the first song when we get there? The question is the choice, not the task. So for some of your students, like the one that I started talking about at the beginning of the post, your day may be filled with choices. That preschool teacher was absolutely right. But isn't it better to fill the day with choices for as many as activities as possible than to constantly be redirecting, punishing, and telling a student what to do? It's better to avoid the power struggle than to get sunk by it, and have it ruin your whole day. So I hope those give you some good ideas about choices. I'd love to hear what you think. If you want to hop over as an educator to our private free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com, we would love to see you there. Don't forget to go back to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 54. You can grab a transcript, you can grab the free choices, and you can grab the videos there. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Hang in there. Have a good week and I'll see you again next week.